if you read Kennedy's speech at Rice about why we're going to the moon, like mm-hmm. his logic is great because you can insert like blowing up the moon, turning the moon to cheese. <laughs> like it, you know, like it, it works equally yes. well. Like we choose to turn the moon to cheese, not because it's the easy thing, but because it's it'll be delicious. <laughs> In space. Welcome, everybody, to Church in Space. In 3D! Ah, we're getting great at that. Hey, welcome, everybody, to our newest episode. I'm Dave. I'm Drew. And I'm Dad. Welcome. So today's topic. Okay, there's this thing in science fiction that's really common, and that's that we're going to figure out how to live forever somehow. There's lots of different ways. So, like, Altered Carbon's the most recent one to do this, I think, Mm -hmm. right? Where, like, you're effectively living forever, you know, because you've got that little data storage device in your neck right if you've seen have you guys seen altered carbon i've heard the concept okay so like they've got a data storage device in their neck basically like as long as you like take out the little floppy disk you know thing that has your entire personality on it you know you can shove it into any other body and and you live forever and all that good stuff same basic concept as you know battlestar galactica right because your experience is always being uploaded right right. bender Futurama. Yeah, Futurama. Right, right. You know, there's this thing of we're going to figure out how to extend our lives indefinitely. This gets into the very meat. We're going to get now into the theology for today's show. Hmm. What is you? Mm -hmm. That's just data. Everything we've talked about so far is just uploading data. Right. So are we, our consciousness, is our consciousness simply the sum total of the experiences we've stored in our memory databanks, and that's all we really are? Yeah, I mean, there is a very... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which means, and this is the Battlestar Galactica conundrum, Mm -hmm. right? If I then replicate your body and upload the same memories you've got now, which one of you is you? Are you both you? And why are you both not simultaneously aware of your double body? This is what Boimler did in Lower Decks and Riker. Basically, you're cloning yourself in a transporter mm-hmm. accident. There are two but, of you. But 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 Riker cloned Riker ends up not being the same as Riker Prime. <laughs> okay, fine. That's actually the point of that episode is like, yeah, they started off as the same person, but like... As soon as they started having different experiences. Yeah. But who are you, Drew? Who are you? Who who? Who who? I really want to know. <laughs> yeah! Yeah, that brings up the point of what is yourself immemorial. If you're just uploading yourself into a body, yes, that's still you. Yes, you are immortal because you're taking one bit of consciousness and just extending it. That immortality is not the same as when we die and we all go to heaven being immortal with God kind of yeah so there's so many yeah. questions in there like because like I, I think dad's got a good point here of like there's a basic question of like what makes you 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 know mm-hmm. like is the digital copy of you actually you my answer to that is honestly no actually mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that the digital copy is simply the simulation of you not actually you but it would think it was me it would think it would mm-hmm. be it'd be wrong <laughs> but you know and and like I, I think that because like what makes you you the sum total of you, like biblically the sum total of you is is not just your soul but is 
The complicated term is the tripartite self. Theologians got to come up with great names for everything. The Triforce for the soul. Right. Well, except it's, it's soul, spirit, and body. So physicalness is a component. Right. That your physicality is an essential bit of who you are, you know, which is why the physical resurrection from the dead is this huge promise, you know, that it's not just a part of you, but it's your whole self that that is into eternal life, right? And that would go with the science, because we know Mm -hmm. even simple things as your gut health, the bacteria that are inhabiting your gastrointestinal tract, affect your mental outlook. Right. They make a huge difference. Yeah. Right. So, like, I think to that question, it's a good Mm -hmm. question, and everybody always is... Because the premise of those TV shows, whether it's Altered Carbon or whatever, is like, yes, you can stick his personality in. And he does this all the time, right? He goes from being the white dude to the Asian dude to you just stick him in different bodies. Body of the week. Right. And he's the same guy. I actually think he wouldn't be. You know, you stick him in a different body, he'd become a different person. Yeah. Because the body's essential. And he stops being who he was as he switches Mm -hmm. bodies. Heinlein had a, a bit that was kind of like this, mm-hmm. but it was this real super wealthy guy, say the Elon Musk of yeah. Heinlein's time. And his body is failing, but his brain is still really good mm-hmm. shape. So he manages to have his brain transplanted. I think it's into his secretary's body. Mm-hmm. So his brain is now in the body of a woman. Mm-hmm. And for a novel from decades ago, Heinlein was pretty insightful in that mm. It wasn't just who this guy's self-identity was. Mm-hmm. People started treating him differently. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though everybody knew this was the same industrialist. Right. Because he was now in this woman's body, mm-hmm. they treated him differently. Right. And that, in turn, shaped his own self-identity. Right. I'm just trying to remember like how many like body-swapping things are out there. Like I can, The thing that yeah. comes to mind for me is like, uh, Rick and Morty, when Rick constantly dies and goes into a body from another universe. Mm-hmm. Like the same Rick, not like the, right. when all the, the council of Ricks or one Rick from another dimension, but yeah. one single Rick goes from one body yeah. <laughs> from the normal universe <laughs> to the Nazi universe to the shrimp universe, and it goes on and goes on. But to an extent, yes, because the body is dead, I can see why you wouldn't be immortal. Yeah. But what does that say about the spirit and the soul. Can your spirit and the soul... Can they exist? Well, yeah, there's much debate on that. (laughs) And, like, if you lose part of your body, Mm -hmm. like, say you lose a finger or an arm or something like that, and it Mm -hmm. gets replaced with a prosthetic, Mm -hmm. is then that never can decay. Wouldn't that be a part of you and that be immortal? Yep. One day I will be my finger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This gets back to the old, like, Aristotelian distinction between, like, substance and form. There's the form of Dan, which you could shave the goatee and Dan would still be Dan. The form can change, but the substance, like there's something about the essence, the substance of you that like changing the form doesn't necessarily, so you can lose an arm or what have you. Yeah, there's that old distinction, you know, which I think is probably true. Yeah, otherwise actors would always be the people they're portraying. They would never be themselves. Well, the good ones aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and in many cases it doesn't end well. No. Right. Yeah, take Heath Ledger. Yeah. For yeah, very I am yeah. absolutely convinced that role killed him. Like I am yeah. just like <laughs> yeah. you know, a method actor playing a purely nihilistic character. Like 
who already had mental health struggles. I just read that um, the scene where he crashes the penthouse with Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh-huh. that was all improvised. Oh, she had wow. no idea what was going on. So there was like legit terror on her face for that <laughs> scene. Wow. Speaking of actors, like creating something the rutger hauer tears in the rain monologue at the end of yes he wrote that really yeah <laughs> like, i had no idea like there was like there's a previous edition in the script and it's much longer it's like triple the length he basically took it into his hotel room and ridley scott had given him editing privileges and he cut it down to the 42 words that it is or whatever and then he added the tears in the rain line at the end because that's know? brilliant yeah he wrote it he he wrote that line in his hotel room the night before wow you know <laughs> yeah because I mean, that completely defines the replicants right that's what rounds the movie out yeah that whole speech it's the right yeah i guess he wrote Whoa. it which is why the look on like Harrison Ford's face is so like shocked because that's not the line in the script. <laughs> that, wow. Like, you know, that Harrison Ford read. <laughs> Actually going off of that, mm-hmm. would an actor or someone whose art becomes immortal? Mm-hmm. So for example, Star Wars, I don't think ever will go away. Star mm-hmm. Trek will never go away. The people involved, are they now immortal because their art and their characters survive? Mm. If this podcast, because it's digital, survives everything, or then we... Can... Are we immortal now? Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's just say immortal here. Yeah. Very specifically immortal here. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's humanity's pitch, right? It's usually what we selfishly aim for, you know, and that's why the pharaohs built those the pyramids. And, you know, literally it bankrupted the country building the Great Pyramid. <laughs> You can see where, like, the next two after the king's son, like, died. They're a little bit, they're smaller. They get very smaller because, like, oh, look, we harvested all the rock. And, like, there's some evidence that they burned down basically every tree in in Egypt. (laughs) Make that that thing, you know, like, it's this amazingly stupid concept, but that's the pitch, right? Is that everybody will remember Cheops, Khufu, or, yeah, yeah, right? Because legends never die. Right. That gets back to the simulation thing, right? It's at best, it's the simulation of life versus what I would call what Jesus promises, which is like actual new resurrected life. That it's not just the simulation of it. If that is the case, right? Mm-hmm. If we have this tripartite self, mm-hmm. which coincidentally that means we are the tripartite podcast. Yes. Okay. The podcast has its own identity that consists of the three of us. I like that. But <laughs> if the tripartite self consists mm. of spirit, body, and soul, body and soul, mm-hmm. does that then mean the shallowness of people worried about their appearance? Take like a, like a Joan Rivers who mm-hmm. had tons of work done, yeah. and was happy with it. Yeah. You know, it's not not a criticism. Mm-hmm. She was very happy with the results. Mm-hmm. It helped define who she was. So does the tripartite self justify that physicality, justify what we would call mm-hmm. the shallowness of appearance? Yeah, I don't know if it justifies like quite that, I guess I would say, pursuit of youth. Beyond pursuit of youth. You know, look mm. at body shaming. Yeah, you right. Know, over right. 8 or million different sh- things. Right, the body mm. shaming. Because like that's part of your body, right? Your body yeah. grows old, your body changes, your body, you know, you lose your hair. Your... In a certain way, it's actually denying the physicality of your existence. By trying to pursue youth, kind of like that look of youth forever. You're actually denying what your body is intended to do. It was designed this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost an attempt to deny the physicality yeah. of, of yourself. But again, how far do we take that, right? Yeah. You and Drew wear glasses. 
Mm-hmm. Are you then denying the fact that you're programmed not to see well? Not to see well. Should you not be wearing your glasses? I mean, maybe, but you guys don't want me like walking in the door. No, exactly. Well, you know? I mean, not without us filming it. But, yeah. um... Church bloopers. Pastor Dave doesn't have his glasses. He falls off the stage. But how far do we take that? You know, if I get a cavity, should I go ahead and lose the tooth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the argument the Christian scientists use, right? Like those denominations that don't believe in taking medicine or anything like that. You're denying the physicality and the way God works. I think there's a practical kind of unphilosophic, but it's like cavities suck. (laughs) There's no question there's a benefit. Yeah. But they're tools. It's not just like we're altering ourselves because I have glasses. Mm -hmm. I'm not altering myself because in your case, you're not altering yourself who you are. Because I have nine fingers. Exactly. Personally, I'm deaf in my left ear. I have no idea if I'm the same exact person in, let's just say, for example, in one timeline, if I never had gone deaf or if I am where I am now, it would be completely different people. I like the idea of somewhere there's a there's a mastermind evil Drew out there that's like, because he can hear out of both ears, plotting the downfall of whole civilizations. So, <laughs> because I'm half deaf, I'm good and I can get away with it? Yeah, your, your, def, your, your deafness was a God-given thing to make you a good human being. <laughs> Providence works in all things. Okay. Then what about gingers? Because they have no souls. I don't know. So I have deaf... Mm-hmm. And I'm a ginger, so I have no soul. The body's already gone. The soul's gone. All I have is my spirit. Uh-huh. And what a waste of soul. Here you are, good. Yes. yes. And because you have no soul, being good doesn't really matter no. in, in the long run. Yeah. yeah. So all I have is my spirit. Do I just like drink all the time now with the spirits? Like, <laughs> we got spirit. Yes, we do. Drew's got spirit. How about you? <laughs> the bipartite self. <laughs> Watch as theology is revised in an instant. The mono. That, right. That's the stereo yeah, version. The, the mono, mono body. Right. Yeah, the, the mono. Yeah. The mono part self. It's just, just body. <laughs> Ain't got no body. I got no answer to that question. <laughs> we stumped faster. It, it happens. It happens. So there is that part of the question, right? So like there's the what makes you you question you know and then there's the actual life extension part of the question right because like okay this is my theory i actually think this is a horrible plan you know because like people suck (laughs) no (laughs) you know like i mean it's a fundamental like part of my theology is like people are sinful let us find a way to extend our sinfulness into all existence as if we don't do enough damage in the short in the short time span that we have i thought that was the purpose of the internet I know, right? But exactly. Like, let's make the internet yes. real life. Huh? You mean make it meta? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. podcast is sponsored by meta. Right. <laughs> or seeking to overthrow meta. One of the two. <laughs> yeah, like, I watch this theme in science fiction all the time. Oh, they've achieved immorality by downloading their consciousness into, you know, the robot brain. Yeah. But it's like, but that didn't make you a better person. <laughs> Like, you're still the same sucky individual that you were when this started, and now you're never going away, (laughs) you know? And now, beyond that, like, now you're never getting redeemed, you know, because, like, death is part of redemption. Wouldn't an extended life give you more wisdom over time? See, I don't think people get all that wise over time. This is my central theory. So you think you're basically wise from the get-go? 
yes, in a certain Luther would call it civic righteousness. Like you can kind of get wise. Yeah, get wise, gangster. Oh yeah, no, I definitely get more wise every single day. There might be another word after that wise, but I definitely <laughs> get wise. It may start with an A, it may end with an S. Second word, maybe. Allosaurus. Yes, I thought so. I thought so. Yeah, not that people. I just don't think people improve. I guess that's what it really is. You can get wiser, sure, but like I don't think people really improve themselves. I'm a total um, depravity Calvinist. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like people don't really get better. They kind of are what they are. Yeah, you get wiser mm. in the sense of you learn not to do. Not, not to put your hand on the stove. Yeah, not to put your hand on the stove. I totaled my first car because I went out driving in the midst of a snowstorm. And I didn't actually do anything wrong, but somebody behind me did. So I learned, don't go driving when the police declare it's a level three snow emergency. <laughs> that kind of wiser, yeah. absolutely. Again, I'm a total depravity calendar. <laughs> so like, there's a certain like baseline sinfulness that is always resides yeah. within humanity. Well, then know? what do you think about the good place then? Like the whole point of the good place is... After you die, mm-hmm. you're in this middle place and you're trying to constantly improve yourself to get to the good place. Yeah. So there's two different versions of that, right? You have to improve yourself, to which I would say, well, that sucks because that's never happening. <laughs> that's my definition of hell. You know, honestly, <laughs> you know, like you're stuck in this place where you have to improve yourself. Like, well, okay, here I am. You know, I'm yeah. stuck here. But the other side of that is the Catholic notion of purgatory, you know, where like you are literally purgation, you're purging yourself of those things. But that process isn't you, it's being done to you in Catholic thought. It's not something you accomplish, it's something that God is working in you. Yeah, it's like he's burning it off of you over time. Right. And so like in that regard, like, okay, I'm not totally opposed, you know. Yeah. And so it depends on like, where the center of the action is, right? Yeah. I see your Calvinist view, mm-hmm. and I raise you three. Um, <laughs> yeah. I raise um, you a Methodist. And <laughs> that, both personally and professionally, uh-huh. I don't see it that way. Okay. And just personally, A, I'm an optimist, and just going through my life, I have seen enough people who have altered for the better through time. Not that they can't change, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, like, I'm not saying people can't change, because I've seen people change and absolutely yeah. they can change that's possible although i don't really believe in free will so even that i would say is, <laughs> is god's will <laughs> another point we disagree yeah. on yeah right i don't really believe in free will <laughs> okay bender <laughs> professionally my work with the innovative leadership institute we do all kinds of assessments right you can see people progressing as leaders and that involves becoming a better person right. in the process because a good leader has to have empathy and, and i would say a lot of that I would group under like the civic righteousness category that Luther talks about. So like in that sense, like, yes, absolutely. You know, you can progress toward being a, what I call getting the good citizenship award, you know, but like there's a certain baseline sinfulness that like never leaves, you know, and never disappears and until death. It seems to me that like life extension just perpetuates that, which seems awful to me. (laughs) You know, you're never getting away with it. You're never getting rid of it. It just because it's not just you, it's a system that is larger than you. Yeah. We struggled with it. Uh, Sci fi struggles with Mm -hmm. that too. Think of the Star Trek episode with Sargon, you know, the Mm -hmm. beings in the spheres and they have to take over Kirk's body and. Spock's body yeah, and yeah, Diana yeah. Moldauer's body. Yeah. So they can build an android and then they put their consciousnesses in these artificial forms. Uh-huh. 
but the entity who had been on the other side mm-hmm. remains evil. Right. You know, even after all these millennia of being in the underground chamber pondering what they had done. Right. That entity did stay evil, whereas Sargon right. just got better. Right. Maybe the real answer is where both our views <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> actually I mean, apply. It just depends right. on the person. Right. Take yourself in like high school to where you are now. Your body is relatively the same, but your soul and spirit is usually completely different. Speak for yourself. I had 10 fingers in high school and a full head of hair. <laughs> yeah, I was still half deaf when I was in high school. Beat that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not done that. I'm trying. Nope. I do have a beard, though. Does that count? It does count. It does count. I was shaving in seventh grade, though. So, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That wasn't shaving until eighth grade. Yeah. Not even then, it was the end of eighth yeah. grade. No yeah. comment. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So your body being relatively the same, mm-hmm. but your spirit and your soul is evolving, essentially. Does that mean that where you are as a high schooler, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously someone, people never grow up from being in a high schooler. Some people don't develop that I think that if way. Facebook proves anything, it's that nobody ever grows up from being in high yeah, school. That's, <laughs> even before Facebook, I long had a theory that our core personalities are what we were in high school. <laughs> you may mask them with things. Well, but. part of it's that like the individual may change, right? This is like Niebuhr's point about moral man, immoral society. Like the the... The individual may change, but like the system as a whole doesn't change, you know, like again, has a certain like baseline sinfulness to it, you know. Part of that gets into what we kind of broached a little earlier, Mm -hmm. and that is what society, what the people around you try to make you as well. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I found, even personally, is that when I decide I want to change some aspect of myself, right, the hardest thing about it isn't me taking that initiative. That's the feedback I'm getting from other people. Right, They're right, trying right. to reinforce that old part of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I don't want that anymore. Church Stop circles reinforcing that. that. Church circles would call that family systems theory. That nobody wants you to alter the family system. Even leaders, you know, sometimes a leader will develop mm. and really advance. But in order to really practice that leadership, they've got to go somewhere else yeah. because everybody on their team mm-hmm. keeps treating them like the old leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because systems don't want to be altered. Yeah. So, like, for example, like, the thing we're finding now, right, is, like, they're doing these these studies of, like, artificial intelligence. And like, we're coding our own internal biases into the AIA, right? And, like, I just think about this life extension stuff, and I'm like, like, say we do get a way to program our personalities into a robot to live forever. Like, won't we just program our own internal sinfulness <laughs> forever? <laughs> like, it'll just, like, be present in the programming forever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, no, I'm like, I'm thinking about yeah. like, yeah, like yeah. there's no way around it. Right. There's like, no way around it. Right. Like that sounds awful to me because it's world without redemption. Unless the AI accepts Jesus Christ as its Lord and Savior. There was a debate about that on Twitter the other day. Pastors, would we baptize an artificial intelligence? It came out on the yes side. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if it is truly sentient. Right. It can acknowledge that Jesus Christ is its Lord. As... The very motto of this church mm-hmm. talks about God's hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if a human develops artificial intelligence, isn't that still indirectly right. divine? Yeah. But is the AI creating God's image? If we are created in God's image and we create something... This is a good point. I would say actually to this answer, no, but it okay. is still redeemed. Okay. Because this is what's great about Revelation, right? Revelation ends on, it's a city, 
right? Yeah. So what that yeah. so a city is an artifact of human culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like actually, God didn't create a city. Cain yeah. created the first city, right? Like the murderer. <laughs> you know, they're artifacts of human culture, and so the fact that God redeems us in a city tells us that even the artifacts of human culture are redeemed. Therefore, the artificial intelligence gets grouped in the larger plan of God's redemption. So the fact that Starchild Dave in 2001 eventually also makes Hal mm-hmm. a star child, mm-hmm. Clark was on the right theological track there. Yeah, in a certain way, right. He gets a little weird with like the transcendent thing, but you know, I do believe if we created AI, it would be present in the New Jerusalem, you know, because it's something we created and God redeems what we create. How do we get into the quandary about how we treat other sentient life? For example, Mm -hmm. it's now been, from a science standpoint, Mm -hmm. proven that octopi, cephalopods in general, but octopi in particular, Mm -hmm. are sentient. Yeah. Self-aware, abstract thought capable, Mm -hmm. everything that we characterize as what makes humans sentient creatures. Elephants bury their dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Crows have funerals. Right. Yeah. I yeah, I think it does shift it. You know, I, I do think there is scripture assures us that there's something special about being distinctly human. There is something there about that, you know, and, and so that's what that image of God is always about. You know, that there is something about being distinctively human that, that sets us apart. You know, and so I would say that there is a difference, there is a qualitative difference between us and the octopus. That said, that doesn't mean we get to run roughshod over the eye. You know, like, the word in Scripture is dominion, but we take dominion to mean power to destroy. And mm-hmm. Like, dominion actually means, like, stewardship. Yeah, caretaker, right? Yeah, like, the Lord is responsible for his vassals, that kind of thing. So are you saying you have dominion over your congregation? I have stewardship over my congregation. There's a moment in the ordination okay. vows where you're kneeling before the bishop and the bishop looks at you and goes, before almighty God, to whom you must one day give an account. It's really scary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you've mentioned that a yeah. couple of times. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, do, do they give you a ledger so that you can... And on January 6th, Lord, I blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, but there is a sense of... And there's a liturgy at the end when you leave that says your stewardship of this congregation has has ended. All I can think about is when Loki, when um, he's at uh, the TVA, um, yeah. and like they print out all the words he's ever said. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. I feel like that's what happens. Yeah, when... <laughs> no, probably. It's probably not that far off. And it's like, oh, right. And then you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, right, this podcast is on that list. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm just going to take giant, this part's redacted, I promise. <laughs> right, like now you can never deny being a Calvinist, because it's there well, forever. No. I got a cute... <laughs> There's a heresy in Lutheranism called crypto Calvinism. <laughs> crypto Calvinism, okay. cool. Yeah. How are you like going to mind that? The NFT of religion, or yeah, no, <laughs> that would be great. Right? Crypto, no, like like you're a hidden secret Calvinist. Oh, like, okay. I get accused of it. I'm, I'm a former Calvinist that holds on to particular pieces of his Calvinism. <laughs> so, are you the recovering Calvinist? Yeah, that's not a bad way to put it. Recovering so, Calvinist. I'll be a Hobbesist then. <laughs> what? I'll be a Hobbesist. He'll be Calvin, I'll be Hobbes. No, don't be Hobbes. Yes. Hobbes is a bad person. <laughs> Hobbes is? Hobbes is a, not Hobbes the cartoon character, but Hobbes the, oh, actual, yeah, the, yeah. the actual real person. The real person is a bad guy. <laughs> don't be Hobbes. How is Erasmus in your esteem? Boo. <laughs> Boo. I'm having trouble here. It sounds like it's just, it's either Luther or Calvin yeah, absolutely. for Dave's mind. And now yeah. anybody else. Just Luther. <laughs> He's the only one who got it right. On with the game. Uh, on with the game. We have a game. We have wandered off topic. Never. Our game. 
So in another episode, we played the game Favorite Small Spacecraft. We need to do the flip side of that, which is Favorite Large Spacecraft. So these are like capital ship-sized. As soon as we start getting into planetoid-sized bodies, I, th- I think we're no longer in spaceships. So Death Star wouldn't count. Death the Expanse Star's, wouldn't count. I would the... count the, the Mormon ship I would count. Okay. okay. Um, that's at the upper edge, though. Okay. You know, so planetoid-sized bodies, Death Star's. maybe you know it's not really a ship anymore. i know it moves and it's got a hyperdrive but Mm -hmm. it's not really a ship it's too big yeah okay it's truly that's no (laughs) if it's large enough to have its own (laughs) noticeable gravity field right right you know right like that's your mom is so fat (laughs) (laughs) if it's so big that we're like mistaking it for that obi-wan can mistake it for a planet then like you know we're (laughs) i'm just thinking about drew starting a whole new genre of jokes the yo death star jokes yeah Death Star. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> help us now. So, Dan, why don't you go first? All right. The obvious for me is the galaxy-class starships. Oh, you like the cruise liner Enterprise. Yeah, cruise oh, liner okay. Enterprise. Of course. Okay. It reminds me of today's aircraft carriers, oh, which are functionally cities afloat. Yeah, that is true. And that's really what the galaxy class is. It's mm-hmm. the rough equivalent of that. Right. It's just instead of it being, you know, 5,000 naval seamen and pilots, it's... it's got families. Yeah, they're families yeah. comprising. Which, if you were on extended... Because the theory was, like, it would be, like, on indefinite exploration missions. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, you almost need to take your family, right? Like, yeah. Or you'd go crazy. Well, like, and especially given what we know, like, um, the mental toll of mm-hmm. for being in the Navy yeah, on yeah, long yeah, deployments, yeah. Suspe- like sub-duty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a friend whose dad was a nuclear sub commander, and yeah. he ended up committing suicide because yeah. he was out at sea so much. Right, it played with his head. I have a friend who's actually was yeah he was he was on those nuclear submarines too. You know, and it's hard. Yeah, you know? yeah. So to have your family with you would make a big big yeah, difference. And so scientifically, a galaxy class starship does make sense. Mm-hmm. They do that ship well in showing its strengths and its weaknesses because mm-hmm. like. In that era, it makes sense because they've got, like, no threats, really. Yeah. And the Galaxy class are not typically the they're first not, contact ships. Right. They're, and they're not, like, battleships. You know, like, yeah. they're flagships, but they're not battleships. But, like, makes sense that the Federation wouldn't have a battleship. You know, there's no threats. The Klingons are their allies. Like, mm-hmm. the Romulans are kind of hidden, you know. like Oh, but look around that corner is the Dominion. Well, right. And then, yeah. and then we and get they're caught yeah. unawares, really, Yeah. yeah. Because there's that one episode, right, where, like, that one Dominion ship, like, torches a galaxy class yeah. in, like, two seconds, you know? And you're like, you're like, oh, these guys are serious. <laughs> <laughs> I have two answers, but, okay. Pastor, you should go. You know, my honest-to-God answer is, like, those giant Imperator-class ships from Warhammer, uh-huh. 40K, mm-hmm. you know? I love the idea of a cathedral in space, you know? Like, something about it just, like, it's, like, it's totally impractical, it's absolutely ridiculous, but like I love the idea of a whole empire designing its battleships after giant cathedrals. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Bias. Yeah, right. Like I know. The Notre Dame class. Right, <laughs> right. Like, you know, like let's build giant basilicas with engines and weapons on them. Like, yeah. <laughs> you sold me. <laughs> I am there. <laughs> We'll call them goth ships. How's that? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, well, I think that the language they even speak in 40K is called high gothic. You know, like, it's great. I'm all for it. 
Totally impractical. I was going to make a joke about how does everyone choke on a Notre Dame class chip? Uh, <laughs> hey, Marcus, Marcus Freeman's there. We're going to be great. <laughs> okay. So I have two answers. Mm-hmm. Number one is a Star Destroyer. Okay. okay. Because just flat out, it can destroy a whole planet. Yeah. It can do basically everything that the Death Star does, just a little bit smaller, a little bit more maneuverable. Mm-hmm. Also a Borg Cube. Because a board cube can Similar time principle. travel. Oh, that's true. Board cube can time travel. You know, I, I'll yeah. give this for the Star Destroyers. They exemplify what the Empire was trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, here's a thing that can transport a whole fighter wing and a whole battalion of soldiers. And, like, you deploy this thing over a rebellious city. Mm-hmm. Like, Jakku or whatever the planet they're on in Rogue One, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just like hovering over the yep. city. And you could tell that would pacify a city. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You win. Right. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. like we'll we'll do hit and run raids, but like yeah. this is yours. Fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like also, like I'm also thinking about in uh the Force Unleashed when like you just take down a a Star Destroyer. I'm just like that would never, ever, ever yeah. happen. Right, like, right, right. Like <laughs> Thinking like the scale of it, you cannot destroy a Star Destroyer as one Jedi. Number one, Anakin probably wouldn't slash Darth Vader. Like, knowing that humongous piece of metal, Uh you can't do that. Right. Yeah. If nothing else, just the mass differential. Exactly. Right. You know, yes. A B 25 bomber flew into the Empire State Building Mm -hmm. during World War II. Mm-hmm. And the B twenty five bomber lost. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Physics wise, I mean, every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction. That's a gigantic starship. As a Jedi, you cannot destroy it. <laughs> You're not even a gnat compared to uh, that. Yes, yeah. we've Jedi proofed our starships. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. And I'm- and then with the Borg cubes, it's just like, yeah, I just need one. There is not a more menacing, I don't think, starship than like a Borg cube Mm -hmm. you know partially because it's so alien right Mm -hmm. like there's no bridge there's no like well that's part of the advantage right there's no centralized command to it right Mm -hmm. so you can wipe out 90 percent of it right and it can still function right still yeah and like the board cube truly is like like that first star trek episode you see it and you're like what the heck Mm -hmm. (laughs) like what what yeah (laughs) and what what i love is a starship doesn't need to be sleek you're in the Mm -hmm. vacuum of space Mm -hmm. right so the cube perfect yeah right why does it need to look pretty yeah nope that's just just a human thing to make it look pretty i mean yes like why do we need to have nacelles on the outside we really don't right (laughs) like it makes no sense to have the engines on the outside except roddenberry said they had to be yeah. Well, remember, because originally they were going to be the landing yes. support structures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And then they flipped it upside down and said, ooh, that looks cool. Yeah. Yes. So we're back to the make it that way because it looks cool. Yeah. But didn't it, they actually have some like retconned in universe, like something to do with like the warp bubble that it creates. Yeah. It has mm-hmm. to create a stable warp bubble. And I hate that I know the geometry of like warp bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> the one NASA's working on is more like the Vulcan. Yeah, the Ship, Vulcan one a is ring. Really, the Vulcan ones in those Enterprise episodes uh, are really cool. Isn't the uh, Vulcan Warbirds? Aren't they a ring as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and not that, the Vulcan, the Romulans. Romulans. Yeah, sorry, the um, Romulan. But that Warbirds. makes sense, right? Then yeah. you've got the warp field evenly distributed all around. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. And then uh, you can distort, you know, light around around object yeah. better than here's your bridge and your nacelles are over here. It'd kind of be hard to uh, disguise that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
I just love the fact that we're at a stage in our own scientific development where we can actually realistically say, well, the design NASA's working on for warp. Yes. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. The, the, yes. The NASA warp drive. Yes. Yes. Well, folks, tell us what your favorite large capital class starship would be. Mm-hmm. This has been Church in Space. In 3D. Thank you, folks. The end. Hey, Dan. Yeah, Drew. Did you bring the dilithium? Oh, oh, I forgot again. But I can get the dilithium resynthesizer. It's on my bike. Mm. Okay, that goes well with my flamethrower. Mm-hmm.